Okay, if you have a Bible, let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we have them for free after the service right up here in the front. If you have a mobile device, go to corechurch.com. You can download a Bible app right there. I read out of the NLT, the New Living Translation, but it's the second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 3. While you're looking that up, let me tell you, you want to be here next week. We are kicking off a series that is probably about five years in the making. It's a series that God put on my heart about five years ago. Uh, the name of the series uh, will kind of throw you on it. We're doing a, a new series called Church Zombies, and it's going to start next week. But it's a series on the Holy Spirit, one of the most misunderstood persons of the Trinity and one of the least tapped into members of the Trinity. Christ followers today are walking around without the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives at an alarming rate, an alarming rate. And I would just encourage you this. I want to challenge you as a church. I I recognize and realize some of you are twice a monthers, once a monther, free breakfast a monthers. Um, They're having the breakfast. Let's go. (laughs) Hallelujah. God has spoken. Um, I want to challenge you. This is my challenge to you. I want to challenge you to be here for every week of the series. It's a four-week series. And it will transform your life like no other series we have done in the past year. I believe that strongly about the series we're going to do and exactly what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. If you ever feel dry, if you ever feel that God is not there, if you feel the Bible is dry to you, if coming to church is something you don't think of as like, if this is your thought, if you don't have this thought of, man, I cannot wait to get to church. I got to get to church. I got to be there every week. I got to be in the house of God and I got to worship. And and, and if you're a follower of Jesus and you're like, man, it just drives me crazy that I don't have that. Drives me nuts that I I don't have that discipline in my life. And I've tried. I've tried to have the discipline of reading the Bible. I've tried to have the discipline of praying. I've tried to have the discipline of going to church. And none of that has worked. I'm going to tell you why in this series. I'm going to tell you the thing that's going to absolutely un hinge you and unleash you from a trap that you are in, it's going to be crazy good. So the next four weeks, tell the person next to you, I'm going to be here all month of November, okay? Turn the person next to you, tell, make that commitment right now. I am going to be here every Sunday in November, all right? Okay, so today though, let's, let's finish up this series called Villains, uh, this has been a great series. I hope you've enjoyed it. Today, our villain is this guy named Pharaoh. And the real villain behind this is the word discouragement. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about discouragement. Now, let me set this up. This is, of course, a very famous story in all of Scripture. Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to be. Probably, maybe next to David and Goliath, one of the most famous, if not the most famous in all of Scripture. Uh, Of course, we know that Christian Baal led the children of Israel out of Egypt, um, and Batman got them to the Red Sea and parted the Red Sea, and they drove through in the Batmobile, you know, and got chased by the Joker and the Penguin and all that. I don't know if that's how that story goes, but uh, this is the one about the burning bush. How many of you have ever heard of the burning bush story, Moses and the burning bush? Okay, a lot of you have not. Okay, so you're going to hear it today for the very first time. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. Moses, before he ever gets the Ten Commandments, before he ever leads the people out of Egypt, we read about the story in Exodus chapter 
3. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock far into the wilderness, and he came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. And Moses stared in amazement, and though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing. That's a great, what a great statement from Moses. This is amazing. Whoa. That's kind of what he said here. He said to himself, why isn't this bush burning up? I, I, I got to go check this out. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to Moses from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses said. Don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. You're standing on holy ground. I'm the Lord your God of your father, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord told him this. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. I mean, they had been in bondage for 400 years. They had been slaves in Egypt. Yes, I am aware of their suffering, so I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and, and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, par I didn't, I, that was a, I did not mean to say that, Parasites, I said Parasites last week, Hivites, it's just a lot of ites, okay, a lot of ites there, uh, ite, ite, all right, okay. Uh, he says, I, I have seen the har how harshly the Egyptian abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. Let's pray. God, for your word, thank you so much for the gift of your word. And in these moments we have, would you just speak to us? Um, we know you have a word for us. And I want to ask that you would do that in this moment. You would just call upon your Holy Spirit to come. Uh, church, I want to ask you to pray that God would open up your heart to what he wants to say. He has a message for you today that all distractions would be aside and pray for those around you, maybe some family members. Pray for me as your pastor. There's a, a couple of stories that I'm going to tell today that I, I, I think are, are very, I want to be sensitive to how the Holy Spirit wants me to tell these stories and I want us to receive them and understand what God's trying to say through them and if he doesn't speak, then we're not going to hear from him. So pray for me as your pastor. If you're ready to hear from the word in Jesus' name, give me a big amen. Okay, half of you are. If you're ready to hear from the Lord, in the name of Jesus, give me a big amen. amen. Preach way better with amens. There's going to be a lot of times in this sermon I'm going to ask you to say amen, and I've been at it for three years, and people still have not figured it out, uh, but we need to become an amen, hallelujah, praise the Lord kind of church that shouts down the rooftop and it proclaims that God is good. And it's just, it shouldn't be weird. It shouldn't be foreign to us. I grew up in a quiet church and I don't want to be in a quiet church. I want to be in a house where people celebrate God. And so I need you to be with me. I need you to speak. And the louder you speak, the shorter I preach. Okay. All right. Thank you. My, my wife, Laura, many of you know her. Uh, we've been married for 31 years, and she has this habit. Uh, whenever she takes notes on anything, she refuses um, to use like a memo pad or if you buy her a nice little journal or something with flowers on it, she won't write on that. She will only write on scrap pieces of paper. 
Okay, anybody like that? You'll only write on, like, you'll pull stuff out of the trash. That's what she'll do. She'll pull old envelopes out of the trash. Um, she'll write on old cups, like a Sonic cup, to write her shopping list on that. Um, I've even talked to her about the phone. I'm like, hey, they have this technology now. It's really awesome. You, like, put the note in your phone. You can actually put a reminder. Doesn't work. She's like, it doesn't work for me. I, one time for her birthday, I actually got all of the scrap pieces of paper out of the trash, old envelopes, old things, and I stapled them together as a beautiful memo pad, wrapped them up, and it said, hey, happy birthday. I meant it as a joke. She used them. Yeah. My, my wife is environmentally conscious. She is, uh, she's a recycler. She's way ahead of the trend in Oklahoma. She's an amazing woman. But she's, she's always done that. She's always written things on pieces of paper. She's always used sticky notes. Anybody a sticky note person? She loves Love sticky notes. And so about a, about a month ago, uh, many of you know uh, the journey our family has been on personally and the personal tragedy that we have experienced in, in our family over the past year. It's been one of the darkest valleys. I, it's, it is the darkest valley I've ever walked through in my life. And about four weeks ago or six weeks ago, I'll let you a little bit on the inside, uh, that some things I, use, I don't talk about at times, but today I'm going to try to be a little bit more vulnerable, kind of let you a little bit in on my world and, and how I process things. And so about four to six weeks ago, we, we had a really bad setback with that situation, and, um, and, and the valley got darker. I didn't think it'd get any darker, but it, but it, but it got darker, and and I, I got up the next morning, and when I got up the next morning, I went into the bathroom, and, I, and there on the side of the counter uh, was a sticky note. And, and on the sticky note, my wife, Laura, had written two simple words. And, and these words were for her, but God used these two words to bring faith and hope and confidence back to me. And they're two really simple words. And I, I took a picture of it. Some of you may have seen this on on social media. Keep moving. In fact, when you came in today, you got a program, and in your program, there should be a sticky note. And they told you not to write on it. Hopefully, you didn't write your shopping list on that thing. I want you to grab that right now. I want everybody to do that. And I want, I want you to write those two words right there. Keep moving. Because I, I want to talk to you today about those two words. Keep moving. Turn to the person next to you and say, keep moving. Okay, say that with me. Keep moving. Okay? Anybody here ever been discouraged? Anybody here ever been through a dark valley? You know what's funny? As followers of Jesus, we're afraid to admit that. Like somehow we come into church and we think we're not ever supposed to admit that we've lost hope. But as followers of Jesus, even we lose hope at times. Even we get discouraged at times. In the last few weeks, we've been, we've been talking about these different um, amazing stories of overcoming. Incredible stories. David, David killing Goliath, going out on the battlefield and slaying the giant. Then we talked about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We ain't going to bow, and they go into that fiery furnace, and, and Jesus is right there in the furnace, and he completely delivers them from the furnace. We talked last week about Nehemiah, 
Nehemiah gets this burden to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And he goes to Jerusalem and he overcomes this amazing adversity and, and people who are coming against him and rebuilds the wall in 52 days. But what do you do when you throw the stone and the giant doesn't fall? What, what do you do when you go in the furnace and the heat doesn't get turned down? It gets turned up. What do, what do you do when you go to rebuild the walls and this just going a lot slower than you thought and it just feels like the wall is never going to get rebuilt? It's discouragement. Discouragement sets in. So we're going to look at Moses today because this is what Moses faced in his life. This is exactly what happened to him. He's got Pharaoh, and God gives him this promise. I want you to go to the people. I, want, I mean, I want you to go to Pharaoh. I want you to tell him, let my people go. And so he says, I'm going to do this. And he goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, no. And he goes back again, and Pharaoh says, no. He goes back again, and Pharaoh says, no. And Moses is like, God, you gave me this promise. You, you told me to do this, and nothing's happening. And discouragement sets in. The greatest leader in all of Scripture next to Jesus is probably Moses, and Moses got discouraged. If Moses gets discouraged, all of us are going to get discouraged. So I want us to look at this story because to understand how Moses, he, he didn't stop. He kept moving. How did he keep moving? In order to understand that, you got to go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the burning bush, Exodus 3.8. God is speaking here to Moses. He says, I, I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. That's the promise, okay? This is the promise that God gives to Moses. Now, here's what I want to ask. Why didn't God tell him how difficult it was going to be? Because we all know but he doesn't tell him. You can read the whole, he doesn't tell him. He doesn't tell him how hard it's going to be. He, all he does is tell him the promise. He doesn't tell him about the problems. I mean, I just don't, I don't, sometimes I don't understand how this, this all works. And I, I look at this and I'm like, I just think, wouldn't it be great if God had said, hey, 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 Moses, hang on just a second here. Oh, uh, it's, uh, it's going to get ugly. I know what I told you, but it's, it's going to, no, dude, it's like, it's really going to get ugly. Um, they're going to they're gonna take the straw away. Uh, when you go to make those bricks, they're going to take the straw away, but they're going to want you to make the same amount of bricks. Pharaoh's going to say no, not once, but like um, uh, uh, 10 times. And uh, did, I tell you, did I tell you about the head lice? Did I tell you about the head lice? There's going to be a lot of head lice. And uh, you know you get blisters when you're walking? You're going to, oh, man, uh, there's going to be blisters everywhere. And, and Moses is like, What? And Moses starts to go off, and God's like, oh, hang on, hang on. Sorry, I forgot to tell you. Uh, did I tell you about the Red Sea? God doesn't, you look at this passage of Scripture, God doesn't tell him any of that. And then let me tell you why. Because here's why. If God told us all the problems instead of the promise, we would never get started. If God told you all the problems that were coming and didn't tell you the promise, there wouldn't be any way that you could go on. I mean, think about that relationship that you're trying to rebuild. 
If God told you every problem that you were going to be facing and all the setbacks you were going to have in trying to rebuild that relationship, you would never start. If God told you all the problems, all the struggles, all the setbacks of that business you want to start, you would never set out to start that business. If you were trying to get out of debt and God said you're going to have five or six other bills come in, you're going to file for bankruptcy before you can even get out of that, you would never get started. If you have an addiction and you're trying to overcome an addiction and you think God would step in and say, oh, you're going to have this setback. You're going you're gonna to have the cold sweats. Okay, all your friends are going to abandon you. You're going to be by yourself. You're going to be throwing up. It's going to be, uh, God did not going to tell you all those things. He's going to give you, though, a promise. Okay, he's going to tell you like he told Moses. He's going to tell you this. There is a land flowing with milk and honey. That's, that's the promise, okay? But here's the thing we have to understand. God's promises are not problem-free. You need to write that down. God's promises are not problem-free. We're going to get the milk and honey, but not without the struggles. I mean, just think about getting married, okay? Did you anticipate all the problems that were coming in your marriage before you got married? Come on, married people. No. KP and Mina, where are you at? They're getting married here. KP and Mina getting married here in two weeks. Look at it. Look at them right over there. Still sitting together in church, aren't you? Wow, that's amazing. That's going to end soon. Yeah, no, but they're in that stage right now where they're like, I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I love you. I don't even hear what he's saying right now. I just know I'm just, ooh, I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit or you. He's amazing right now. And I, like, I meet with them and I say, hey, it's going to get rough one day. And they're like, oh, we know, Pastor, but I love you. That you, but you do that, right? No, I mean, I'm, I'm giving them a hard time, but we all did it. I do it, okay? But then you get married and you're like, oh, hey, I didn't sign up for that. And if you knew about that, you would have never done that, right? And it's because God says, I'm gonna give you the promise. Here's the promise. I'm gonna, the promise in a marriage is I'm, I'm, I'm promising you that this, that if you'll stay under the banner of me, you will stay together forever, that's the promise of God. You will have a marriage full of milk and honey if you follow after me. That's a promise for your marriage from God. But he didn't promise that there weren't going to be problems along the way. And so here is Moses. And, and God gave Moses another promise that would help him. And it's the same promise that's for you and I. And it's in, found in verse 12. And some of you need this today. God answered this to Moses and he said this. Say it together. I will be with you. I will be with you. This is an incredible promise for those of us who follow Jesus, okay? Like when I said, hey, God declared, I will be with you, that's where the church says, amen. amen. He's gonna be with you. This is his promise. If I put my faith in Jesus and I follow him, he will never leave me. He will always be with me. Listen, the same God who talked to Moses in a burning bush, the same God who led the children of Israel out of bondage and slavery after 400 years, the same God who parted that Red Sea, the same God who was with Moses is the same God who is with you. He's with you. Whether you know he's with you or not. Now, here's the thing. If you're not a follower of Jesus, he is not with you right now. And that's a scary place to be because it's all up to you. 
whatever you're facing, whatever that discouragement, that struggle that you're facing right now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, you got figured out all by yourself. But if you're not a follower of Jesus, can I tell you that this, this promise is for you? Like it's not just reserved for those who place their faith in Jesus, but it's like if you're not a follower of Jesus, God says, put your faith in me. Follow me, and this promise will be true for you. That's the promise he has for you today. So Moses, man, Moses, he gets all amped up. He's excited right now. I mean, he is just like, like I am right now. He is just excited, and God had given him some signs to take back, so he goes back to the, to the Israelite leaders, and they, God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn your hand to leprosy so they'll know I'm with you, and you're going to throw your rod down and your staff down, and it's going to turn into a snake. So he like goes to the Israelite leaders, and he's like, hey, now you see it? Whoop, whoop. Now you don't. Whoop, whoop. Now you see it? Whoop, whoop. Now you don't. Then he drops the mic, bam, and a snake, and it's like, whoa. And he's like, that's right, that's right. Come on, Aaron, let's go. And he's all amped up. We're going to go tell Pharaoh. And so they start this walk, and I can just see Moses and Aaron, and they're just like, Moses is all amped up. He's like, all right, so what do you think? Should I use like a deep voice like, let my people go? You know, and Aaron's like, no, no. Should I I use like an accent? Let my people go. No, no, that ain't good. Maybe I should sing it. Let him go. Let him go. So that wasn't Aaron's reaction. So he's all, he's all amped up. He's going to go. He goes in there to Pharaoh. He's like, let my people go. That God gave me a promise. And if you go to chapter 5, Pharaoh says, no. No, not only that, uh, Moses, but you, you want to come up against me? I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the most powerful man in, in, the, in the known world today. Tell you what I'm going to do for you coming to me and saying that. I'm going to take the straw away for the bricks that you're making. You've got to make the same quota of bricks now. But I'm going to take the straw away. And, 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 and not only that, but you know what? He goes out and he beats, Pharaoh beats the Hebrew foremen that are trying to get the bricks made, beating them, telling them, you better make some more bricks Then the people, the Hebrews, who believed in Moses turn on him, and they get angry, and they're like, hey, hang on, you said, you know, you did the whoop, now you see that whoop, now you don't think, huh, huh, drop the mic, what happened to all that, why are we still slaves? Yeah, and they doubted his leadership. They turned on him, they got got angry with him. If you're taking notes, I need you to write this down, okay? When you encounter problems, don't abandon the promise. When you encounter problems, don't abandon the promise. Keep moving. Say that with me. Keep moving. Moses is discouraged. And I, I, did, I did what you said. I did exactly what you said. And look, look what happened. Stepped out on that promise. I shouldn't have stepped out on that one. I mean, how, how discouraging is it? When you think things are going to go great and they go horribly wrong, like you step out to do something great for God and you believe in the promise of God, you get all amped up on a Sunday and then you step out and it just gets, it just gets worse. We experienced that as a church in 2008 and 2009. We had been going for about eight years. And I, at that time, I was a children and youth pastor, and the plan was that I would always go out and I would start a church, and that day came in 2008. God spoke. God called our church to start a new church, and so 
we launched this new church in East Tulsa. And I stepped out in faith as a leader of that congregation and just with a handful of people and said goodbye to everything and stepped out, going to do this for God. I had no idea that the recession was going to hit right at that time. The recession hits, and many of you know that. The bottom just absolutely fell out. Worst possible time to be starting a church. Because when you start a church, you don't usually start them with a bunch of mature believers. You start them with non-believers, and non-believers become new believers. But new believers and non-believers, they don't, they don't give a lot because they don't know and understand Scripture. And they don't understand as new followers of Jesus that I'm, I'm called by God to give 10%. They don't understand that because they're not yet mature believers. And, and I have full freedom in that. I fully get that, and I'm, I'm on board with that. I understand that, and so I know that going in, and, but here's what happens. So we start, and, and we're barely a month old, and one of our partners calls and says, um, hey, I know I, we promised you $40,000, but um, with this recession, we, we can't give it. It was one of my lowest points. What? I mean, I'm like, I'm like Moses. I'm like, what? I did what you said, and look what happened. The recession has hit. We ain't got no money. The one partner I was counting on, $40,000, and they can't do it. And I didn't blame them because they were having their own struggles of their own. And I'm like, God, where are you? You told me. What, what, what is this? And, and so, so September goes by and still no money, and, and, and October goes by in November, and then December hits. And let me tell you, like, you ever been around December when you don't have money for Christmas presents for your kids? That was a low point for me. Because the church was hurting so bad financially, I was so committed to that church and committed to seeing that church strive and, and live and breathe that I said, you know what, don't pay me. And so I surrendered one paycheck. And then I surrendered a second paycheck. I was the only paid employee at, at that time, and we had a little bit of part-time stuff. But I just surrendered it and said, now we, gotta, we, we have to pay for the school that we're, we're meeting in. And I kept moving. Because God had given me a promise, and I kept moving. Here it is, Christmas time, and Laura is like, "You've given up paychecks. How are we gonna? How are we gonna? How are we gonna give gifts to our kids? I don't know. Somehow, some way, God made a way, and He provided gifts for my children, and we got through that, and we kept, we just kept moving, and we just kept moving." Meanwhile, back at the mother church, the church that had launched us, and many of you have been a part of either one or the other church, but in 2009, the, the founding pastor stood up and said, hey, um, God's called me to, to leave and to go to another church, and God had spoken to him to go to another church. And if you don't know that story, um, this building one here, there was just steel frame and a solid foundation in the middle of a building program, in the middle of a four million dollar building program the founding pastor leaves and it leaves the people god are you kidding me you you told us you you told us to start that church and you told us to build this one hello you you you, you gave us that that promise you you told us in your word what we were, we were supposed to do we we did what you said and look what's happening but you know what those people kept doing they kept moving, and they kept moving, and they kept moving, and they kept moving. 
And here we are over in East Tulsa and, and me and my family and, and our leaders and our church there. And, and we're still facing financial adversity. But you know what we kept doing? We kept moving. And we kept moving. And in 2012, God moved in such a way to, to bring us together. And we brought the churches together in 2012. And I would love to say that, hallelujah, that's when the debt went away. And that's when all of our problems were solved. Because God said, bring the two churches together. I will rebuild these walls for my glory. That was the promise God gave to me. And we started it. And what happened? Still $4 million of debt. But what did we do? We kept moving. We didn't quit. We didn't give up. We were resolute in the promise of God that God said, I am taking you into a land flowing with milk and honey. We believed that promise. We understood setbacks. We understood adversity. And we said, we're going to stand our ground, and we're going to move when we can move, and then we're going to stand our ground, and we're going to move when we can move, and then we're going to stand our ground, and then we're going to move when we can move. So here's the thing. If you are a part of this church in the last seven years, since 2008, 2009, if you joined this church in the last seven years, or if you made a commitment to follow Jesus in the last seven years, if you were baptized like Susan who stood up here today and was baptized, gave her life to Jesus, guess what? That doesn't happen unless people keep moving. That's a good place to give God some praise. So we are resolute in our faith. No matter what we see, we're going to keep moving. So what is your circumstance? What is your, what is your difficulty? What is it that you're facing in your life right now? What will happen because you keep moving? What's going to happen in your finances, in, the, in that relationship, with that addiction, with your health, with whatever that business is or that ministry that you want to start? What's going to happen because you keep moving? That's my challenge to you. Turn to somebody right now and say, you must keep moving. You got to keep moving. So Moses does. In the midst of his discouragement, God tells him, keep moving. Look at chapter 6 and verse 11. Chapter 6 and verse 11, it says these two words. Let's say it together. What? Go back. Are oh, you got to be kidding me? Go back. To, in other words, keep moving. And God sends not one plague, not two plagues, not three plagues. He sends ten plagues. He, he sends this plague of, uh, of blood, and you can see Moses. Oh, man, that's going to get it. That'll do it right there. You ever been there on that one? You're like, that's it right there. That's the promise. That's the breakthrough right there. Hallelujah, we're done. That's what he's thinking in that moment. Blood, that's going to do it. Moses says, no, get back to work. Moses is like, you got to be kidding me. Then frogs. Moses goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh says, no, I'm still not going to let your people Go And so God sends another plague. This time it's the, the plague of lice. And, and the lice come and they infest all of Egypt. And you think this time, this time he's going to let them go. No, does not let them go. But Moses keeps 
on moving through every plague. God sends the plague of flies. Pharaoh says no, and Moses keeps on moving. God then sends the plague of livestock. All the livestock die in the land, and Pharaoh says no, and God says go back, and Moses just kept on moving. Boils, hail, locusts, no. I'm not going to let your people go. God, go back again. And Moses kept on moving. He would not quit. Write this down. To embrace the promise, you got to endure the pain. To embrace the promise, you have to be willing to endure the pain. Can I get an amen from every mom who's gone through childbirth? Can I get an amen? Come on, ladies. You've been there, right? I've been in the delivery room. I've seen that pain. You're like, you're like, ah! Doctor comes in and goes, got good news. You're at a sixth. I'm going to kill somebody right now. Right? But you don't quit in the middle of that, do you? If you quit in the middle of the pain of childbirth, you will not have the promise of the delivery of that beautiful baby that you now have. You can't quit in the middle of the promise. You got to keep moving through the pain. This is what Moses does. And then the plague of darkness sets in. Look at verse 23. Somebody needs to go tell the kids we got like 10 minutes here. Somebody please do that for me. We got about 10 minutes because I ain't going to stop preaching this. You need to hear this. The people... The dark, it's dark. The people could not see each other and, come on, let's say this together, and what? No one moved. There, there comes a time where, where darkness consumes you, where, where you, you, just, you just feel like you can't move, where, where just, man, all, all hope is gone. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like you can't see a way out and you can't see, see God, you, you, you can't move. What I want you to see here in this story, though, is that was the case for the Egyptians, but not the Israelites. Did you hear me on that? That was the case for the Egyptians, the ones who were against God, but those who were for God, that was not their story. you got to look at the rest of the verse here. It says this in verse 23, but there was... Light, as usual, where the people of Israel lived. God didn't lift the, the darkness for the Israelites, but he did provide light in the darkness. That's what God will do for you. He may not lift the darkness, but he will shed his light in the darkness. Psalm 23, the most famous psalm, the most famous passage in all of Scripture, quoted by politicians, leaders, schools, workplaces. Psalm 23 and verse 4 says, even when I what? Even when I, through what? The darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Listen, even when you can't see God, you can trust God. Even when you can't see him, I'm telling you, you can trust him. 
for the last year of my life through the darkest valley I've ever walked through when I couldn't see God and I could not see my way. I was resolute. I knew God was with me. I knew he was there. I knew he was close beside me. I knew he was walking with me. This is a statement that God gave me about four or five months ago when I was walking through that dark valley is this. We walk through the dark valley, but we don't camp there and we don't live there. We walk through the dark valley, but we don't camp there and we don't live there. So when you are in darkness and you can't find your way, I want to encourage you to draw close to Jesus. I just want to close with just telling you something that happened to me just this week. And I hope this helps you. I just pray in this moment that God just uses this to just speak to you because um, this is just one of those moments where I've been following Jesus for 31 years. And I've never, ever had him speak like this to me before. He was as close as he as he might as well have been present in the room. I've never had, I've had experiences with Jesus, but never like that where I, I just, it was like if I opened my eyes, he, he, he was going to be standing there. He was, he was that close. Last three years, as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, experiencing $4 million of debt. We have survived as a church on miracle offering after miracle offering. So many times I've been able to tell you all the miracles that God has done. Miracle after miracle after miracle, including dropping $1.2 million off of our debt. Our God has been so faithful to us. And I want to say this in the right spirit, and I, I hope you'll receive it right. There, there comes a time, even for the best of us, where we just get tired of the miracles. Because you're tired. Because you're discouraged. And I was discouraged. My faith was resolute in the promise of God. We would inherit the land. I think you just need to know sometimes even a pastor gets discouraged and wonders can I can I keep moving so we've had miracle after miracle and in August we faced another financial obstacle and leaders, God bless our leaders. They're, we have an amazing staff, amazing leaders that just rally to prayer. We are, a, we are such a solid church when it comes to praying. And we pray. God, we need a miracle. Some of you were here in August when I shared that. We began to pray and God gave us the, the greatest one month surplus of resources and overwhelmed us with resources in one month than he had in any month of of the entire year. It, unbelievable. It was unbelievable. I mean, I was like, woohoo! And then September and October came. 
right back where we were before. Really? Really, God? Because you, you said, you said that if I did this, and you said you were going to, and God said this to me, go back. I want you to go back. I want you to keep going back. And so uh, last Sunday, last Sunday night, please hear me on this. I normally wait years to tell stories like this. But last Sunday night, uh, I hit a wall. I was as discouraged as I've ever been. And I'll tell you, man, one thing you got to be real careful of. You need to confide in your wife, but you need to be careful. And I uh, kind of unloaded on my wife in the driveway. And I could see in her eyes just a little bit of, uh, you okay? But I was discouraged. I went to bed that night But I got up Monday morning. And Monday morning when I woke up, I sensed very strongly that God said, I am calling you, Brad, to pray and to fast this week. And I want you to meet me at the altar every morning at 6 a.m. And I'd love to tell you that I was like, yeah! Yeah! I was like, that was my go back moment. I want you to go back. So every morning this week, I've been at this altar right here at 6 a.m. With my Bible and my journal and just uh, crying out to God. This week, He's given me two incredible promises and incredible, two incredible declarations. I don't have time to share those right now. We're already into overtime, and I, I'm going to hold those. I'm going to share those Wednesday night at Core Community, and I encourage you to come Wednesday night to Core Community. I'm going to share those two things. I think these two things are not only for me and for our church. I believe they're for you personally, and I want to share those on Wednesday. I'll do that on Wednesday, but every day I met Jesus right here at this altar, and, and uh, Friday morning I found out why. Friday I was kneeling at that altar, and, and I... <laughs> Just being real here. I, I was sitting there at the altar and nothing. And I was like, man, this is a waste of time. Uh, why am I here at this altar? Okay, and you're going to speak to me? And I nothing, nothing, nothing. And then I just sensed that God said, I, I want you to lay prostrate on the ground. Those of you that know me, that's, that's a big ask from God for me to lay down on the ground. I've done some pretty bold things standing on the Word of God. I've done some crazy things, but God told me right here at this altar, I want you to lay on the ground prostrate before me. I want you fully surrendered to me. And so I did. I just laid prostrate on the ground, and I was looking up at heaven and just saying, okay, I'm here. And in that moment, God's reminding me of the words that Moses said, I laid prostrate before the Lord. So I got, I, I got up and, and I opened my Bible to, De, to Deuteronomy chapter 9 and 10, and it says Moses had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And I was like, wow, dang, I've only been doing it five days. He's the man. <laughs> and so I was only doing it five days, but he came to the end of that fast, and, and, and 
He'd been laying prostrate before the Lord, and God said in, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, He said, I want you to get up. Get up and lead my people into the land that I have promised to them. And all I can tell you is in that moment, that was the most resolute promise, the, the, the highest declaration God had ever spoken over me in 31 years of following him. It was as if he was speaking it out loud to me. Get up and lead my people into the land that I have promised them. Two minutes later, I got a text from Laura and she's like, you, you need to go look outside. There's a rainbow. And just a little side note for Laura and I, throughout our marriage, God has always, for some reason, used rainbows to declare promises for us in our marriage and in our, in our lives. And uh, he's always used rainbows. And I, uh, <laughs> this, I'm just, this is so silly to you, but it just, I just tell you what's going on. So <laughs> I started physically shaking. I was so excited. <laughs> I was like a kid at Christmas, and I, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I got okay, I got I to gotta go see the rainbow, I got to go, where's my phone, where's my phone, I got to take a picture of this, where's my phone, Where, I got to, okay, take a deep breath, take a deep breath, breath. And, I, and I grab my phone, and I go running out into the parking lot, okay, like a seven-year-old at Christmas, and, and I, I go running out into the parking lot, and, and, I, and I turn around, and this is the picture that, that I took on, on my phone, okay, you can't really see it as well, because the rainbow was only there for like 15 minutes, but what you see here in the picture, I turned around and the church was completely lit up and the rainbow over the top of our church. Now, now here's the thing you need to understand. Some of you might remember I told a similar story about a year before, a year ago. God did the exact same thing like a year ago for me. Okay, and it, was, and it was in the month of October. I journaled it. I went back and I read about it. And God says, the same promise I gave you a year ago is the same promise I'm giving to you today. Now, what you don't see in this picture, it looks like blue skies. It was not blue skies. I don't know why the camera caught it with blue skies, except that that's our God, and that's what he, that's the vision he gives us in the middle of a storm. But the clouds were there. It was dark. It was dark miserable. I was standing in the rain, standing in the rain, taking this picture, and behind me, right over here to the east, the sun was cracking just above the horizon. The sun was coming out, and I was standing in the rain. Listen, that's the picture. Though the darkness may not be lifted, His light will shine right into the darkness. That's who He is. That's what He does. I mean, I am all over that parking lot at that point. I am weeping like a two-year-old. I am jumping. I am shouting. I am running through the parking lot going, woohoo! I mean, if people would have driven by and there were people driving by, I'm sure they were like, oh, hey, you got a crazy man running through your parking lot in the rain. I didn't know what else to do. I just said, I have got to give him praise. Because he said, I am with you. Now, here's what I want you to hear. That promise wasn't just for a preacher. Those promises are not just reserved for preachers. God spoke to me. He declared so loudly to me. He said, listen, you will inherit the land. These walls will be rebuilt. People are going to come to know Jesus. You just hang on. and You just keep moving. That promise was for me, but the light, the light was shining on our church church is you. 
and me. See, the promise is for you. This is a promise that God didn't want to just give to me. He wanted to give to you. What are you facing right now? Where is it where God just keeps saying, go back? Is it a relationship? Is it an addiction? Is it your finances? I don't don't know. Is it your health? I don't know. You're ready to quit. You're ready to give up. You're so discouraged. I want you to have this picture in your mind. God is placing a rainbow, a promise in the sky for you. And what he's saying to you is keep moving. Keep moving. No matter what you see, no matter what you face, just like Moses. I mean, I think about Moses here. I mean, when pain overshadows the promise, you got to keep moving. When you suffer defeat after defeat, you've got to keep moving. When you are beat down with discouragement, you've got to what? Keep moving. When the relationship doesn't turn around, you got to what? Keep moving. When you hear no over and over again, you've got to what? Keep moving. When a plague infests your promise, you got to what? Keep moving. Keep moving. You bow your heads. I want to pray for you. In fact, I want to ask those of you that right now are discouraged to just get out of your seats and come up here right now and stand right here in the front. You're in that position right now. You need to keep moving. You need to physically keep moving. I want you to get out of your seat. Just come up here right now. Don't let no shame or anybody stop you from doing that. Do it right now. Come up here. What is it you're facing? What is it you're struggling? You need to stand before God and you need to say, I am resolute and I'm going to keep moving. I ain't going to quit. I'm not going to give up. Though I hear no, if I walk out of here today and I hear no, I'm going to go back. If I walk out of here and the spirit of discouragement hits me again, it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep moving. This is your promise right here. This is your promise. Those of you who stand here, this this is is your promise. I'm just telling you, I want to declare that over you as your pastor. Whatever it is you're believing for, get ready for it and receive it and keep praying it and keep praying it and keep walking and keep praying and keep walking and keep praying and keep walking and keep praying. Let me pray over you right now. Father, for these who are gathered right here in front of you, you know their heart, you know their struggle, you know the darkness they're facing. Though it be dark, may the light of Jesus Christ shine upon them. Right now, Father, I ask you to do that, your Holy Spirit to fall upon them. Just fall upon them now, right now, God. Fall upon them in the midst of their darkness, in the midst of where they cannot see you, they cannot find their way. May the light of Jesus Christ penetrate their soul. And you say to them, I am with you. I will lead you out of this. I will lead you into the promised land. I will lead you into those things that I have promised for you. God, help them to hold on to that. Right now in this moment, they stand before you and they say, I'm resolute before you, God. I'm vulnerable before you. I stand before you, Father, and I cry out to you, God. And I ask you to give me the spirit and the strength to keep moving. 